Hello, welcome to Nerds Collide, a podcast about all things geeky and possibly dorky. He is Justin. Hey. And I'm Travis. And together, we're just a couple of nerds. All right, episode eight. We did it. We uh we made it over that episode that that seven episode slump. <laughs> the seven slump is real. Yeah, <laughs> it is because <laughs> 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 we're super off schedule for when we typically record or the schedule that we have to record. That is, but yeah, but, but we're gonna get it. <laughs> but we'll get it. Don't worry about us, guys. I'm not worried. I'm a little worried. <laughs> Don't worry, Travis. I'm not worried. Oh, Man. Oh. <laughs> I work with this guy named Mo. And uh, one time I was in the bathroom. And, you know, I was sitting there. And then someone came in and washed their hands. And then went to the bathroom, which I thought was odd. But then they also left the water running. Which I was like, okay. So anyway, I'm sitting there, and then a flood of water comes rushing in through the bottom. And I said, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man, there's a flood of water coming from the sink. And I got up, you know, I'm and, like, my pants are on the ground. I, like, had to hold everything up. I'm, like, getting everything ready. I get out, and I, like, turn the water on. Or turn the water off, I should say. And then a little voice in the next stall says, Why are you worried? Why are you worried about it? I'm not worried. What are you worried for? <laughs> I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> that's, that's hilarious because when you said the name Mo. I was like, man, that name sounds familiar. Um, because it, if you haven't been listening to the previous episodes, me and Justin used to work together. So when you said the name, it it sounded familiar, but I couldn't put a face to the name. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> when you did the voice, it clicked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing I'm not doing the voice very much justice because I I just woke up. But yeah, what are you worried for? I'm not worried. Let's talk about something fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, <laughs> the first thought that came to mind was ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Let's talk about ice cream. Oh, we're going to talk. No, not ice cream. Dear listeners, we're not going to talk about ice cream. Instead, we're going to talk about video games. Like usual with me. And uh Travis got a little something. A little something something. I think <laughs> I think you're being too hard on yourself saying that you usually talk about video games. I don't think you've talked about video games in what four episodes? Well, what did we last talk about? Well, I, I know the last three episodes we talked about Obi Wan Kenobi. And then before that was Clerks, maybe? I don't remember. The episode before that, you might have been talking about Kirby. Or no, that, no, that was early. I don't know. We're so deep into this podcast, I don't even remember what the hell we were talking about anymore. Yeah, eight, ep- eight episodes in, I'm going to start repeating recommendations. 
I'm gonna start repeating topics. Let me tell you about Kirby. <laughs> we'll talk about the Nintendo Switch. Um, actually, a good segue. Let's talk about the Nintendo Switch and a little game, a little game called Paper Mario: The Origami King. Just a little game. So yeah, Paper Mario. Uh, if you don't know. Start, I guess it started off as more of an RPG-based uh, entry into the Mario franchise as a whole, um, which actually technically started with Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. Uh, that game was made by Square, uh, known as Squaresoft at the time. That's a game that I have not beaten I've tried to play it so many times, and I just get to a certain point, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I just set the controller down. One day, one day I'm going to beat it. But anyway, Paper Mario grew out of that, uh, because Square stopped working with Nintendo for a long time, especially during the Nintendo 64 era. And you know, damn it, people need... Mario RPGs. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> give, give it to the people. Yeah. So the first entry in the Paper Mario series came out on August 11th, 2000. And it was right at the end of the Nintendo 64 life cycle, too. Like a, the next year, uh, we got GameCube. So pretty interesting. And uh, Paper Mario the Origami King is the sixth entry in the Paper Mario franchise. Uh, there is actually a side, or a spin-off game, I should say, called Mario & Luigi Paper Jam. Uh, Mario & Luigi... The Mario & Luigi RPG series um, was made by Alpha Dream, uh, whereas Paper Mario is made by Intelligent Systems. Really, I guess the difference is Paper Mario eventually started to explore more action-oriented gameplay. It still had RPG elements like uh, battles and kind of the overall story beats were kind of RPG-esque. But Mario and Luigi had that classic turn-based, well, mostly classic turn-based uh, RPG battle system. Before this, I had only played Paper Mario, the original. For the Nintendo 64. You haven't played any of them, right? I played like... I played maybe the first hour of whatever the one that was on the Wii. Uh, Super Paper Mario? Uh, I don't think it was that one. I think it had a, a subtitle to it. It was Paper Mario something. I don't know. But yeah, I only, I only played a few minutes of that. Um, Other than that, no. Hmm. You said for the Wii? Mm-hmm. You said for the Wii? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that you was, said for the Wii? And that was actually the first time that I've ever heard of that, that Paper Mario uh, franchise at all. So when I bought it, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. All right, here we go. <laughs> and then you're like, what the hell is this <laughs> what shit? The, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, I was not a fan at all. Super Paper Mario. That's the one that released for the Wii. Uh, it it might have been that one then. 
That's a, that one is like the first one. Uh, I didn't play that one, but I watched somebody play it. That's the the first one where it sort of takes a more action oriented style of gameplay as opposed to a like the first two are very RPG like oriented. Like you get into battles in the overworld, and then there's an RPG battle system. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the cover now. It was Super Paper Mario. That was it. Super Paper Mario. Um. Yeah, not for me. Not for me. I don't even like. I've never played that game. I just remember there was the mechanic where you could switch the world from 2D to 3D, which I always thought was sweet. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, I kind of not that I necessarily didn't in. Because Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64 is amazing. I love that game. Is that on the uh, the Switch Online? It is on the Switch Online. Uh, oh. So, you know, if you got it, if you got it, check it out. <laughs> Man, not to, not to ramble, but uh, there's <laughs> there's that Johnny Laurinaitis promo when he was a wrestler where they, like, interview him for something. Johnny Johnny Laurinaitis, known as Johnny Ace, the wrestler. Uh, he would uh, do his promo where he's he's coming to some wrestling company. I don't remember, but he's like, uh, if you don't got it, get it. If you don't get it, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the announcer immediately says, "I don't, I don't know actually what he's talking about." <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, back to Paper Mario. Paper Mario The Origami King was released on July 17th, 2020. I can't believe it released in the middle of uh, that whole pandemic. It's wild. Even though I'd like, I really enjoyed Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64. I didn't really dip into the other titles as much. I don't really even know why. The general consensus is that the GameCube entry, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, is the best one in the entire series. Which I've actually only played like 10 minutes of it. Um, one day I will. But, anywho, I just never, uh, I just never got into the series. I don't know why. But then, uh, I watched my girlfriend play Origami King. And, you know, I was watching it. I'm just like, this looks real. This looks good. And then I'm watching it a little bit more. This looks damn good. Damn good. <laughs> uh, yeah, the art direction is wonderful. I love, I love Paper Mario. the The aesthetic of the character just being, you know, flat, and they use that in all sorts of dumb jokes. Like he gets faxed at one point in Paper Mario: The Origami King. Like they literally put him in a fax machine <laughs> and send him to another part of the game. And uh, then like people. Other characters will be just laying on the ground flat, and you have to, like, hit them with a hammer, and then they get up. Yeah, you know, the art direction, it's very charming. The characters, the dialogue, the actual uh, plot. It was nice. Uh, A lot of those elements were in the original one for Nintendo 64. So it is cool that uh, even, you know, 22 years on, the foundation of the Paper Mario series is still intact. Anyway, I was like, you know what? Let's just do this. I'm not playing a game right now. So I bought it. Looked it up on uh, Deku Deals, which uh, keeps track of video game sale prices. So if you don't know what it is, you should check it out. I found it on sale on the Walmart website. It was like 35 or maybe 30. 
So I ordered that bitch. And then, uh... <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I got a European copy of the game. <laughs> oh, wow. That, it must have been, it must, um, my guess is it was a, a third party seller on Walmart. Yeah, I think it was too, but I just, uh, probably wasn't paying attention and got it and had that Peggy 7 uh, rating on it. I'm like, Peggy 7? That's too many Peggies, dude. <laughs> All right. So let me so, let me tell you. Oh, what's up? I was going to say, so you got the game. <laughs> so I got the game. All right. So let me set this up for you. You play as Mario. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would imagine. <laughs> Playing Mario, right? <laughs> so I, I was wondering if Paper Mario and Mario were two separate, uh, like characters, and like, like it was an alternate dimension sort of thing. And I fell down a wormhole in uh, Reddit, and you know, a lot of people just think they're the same person, so it's fine. Uh, don't, no need to worry, guys. They're the same character. Uh, <laughs> You and Luigi are riding in a go-kart, and uh, you're going to Princess Peach's castle for the Origami Festival, uh, which is happening in the Mushroom Kingdom. You get there, and there's no one no one out, and Luigi is kind of just like, man, this is, this is a creepy brother, and uh, <laughs> then you meet a fake Princess Peach, and like she's like 3D. So it's a funny balance because the world is 3D and then these characters, uh, like a lot of the enemies in, in the game are like a 3D uh, origami vibe. So it looks really cool uh, compared to Mario. Most of the Mario Kingdom or the Mushroom Kingdom flatness, I should say. So anyway, a prin- an origami Princess Peach comes out and she's like, ask you three questions. And there are questions like, do you... Th- <laughs> And, like, it's playing creepy music, and she's just like, do you think the Mushroom Kingdom should be folded? And <laughs> or folded and refolded into a better image? And it gives you the option to say yes or no. So you can agree with her. You're like, yeah. And then <laughs> she's like, do you think those toads should be dealt with? And you can be like, yeah. And I forget the third one. But it doesn't matter what you say, because she doesn't believe you, so you end up... uh Getting kicked out of the castle. <laughs> then you got you gotta go and uh you gotta go and save the save the world, man. Basically, this origami king Ollie um wraps the mushroom kingdom in five ribbons and he puts it on top of a volcano. So you have to go throughout the world and uh destroy these ribbons so that you can make it up to the tower and into Princess Peach's castle to Battle little King Ollie, who <laughs> who has the uh, the hair in front of his face on just one side, like the emo swoop, like this, <clears throat> and and he'll like sometimes when uh, he's talking, he'll be like <laughs> like moves <his> <laughs> like that, and it'll, it'll uh, like he'll adjust his little hair. It's really funny. Um, and your side little companion is uh Olivia. Who is Ollie's sister? You basically just go throughout different uh, different uh, geographical locations, 
and uh, battle bosses and go through dungeons to eventually uh, complete the goal of destroying the ribbon that's tied around Princess Peach's castle. And uh, along the way, you will encounter origami enemies, uh, which basically uh, Mushroom Kingdom enemies like Goombas and Koopa Troopas, but they're like origami, like the Princess Peach I described, and they also kind of move robotically, I guess. And then, you know, you're just going throughout the world, and sometimes you'll get some companions, and I'll actually talk about one because... (laughs) There's, like, a traumatic side story in Origami King, which is wild for a Mario game. Uh, yeah, so enemies walk around the world, and touching one will start a battle. It's funny, because you can avoid every battle pretty much in the game. I would say, like, 90% of the battles you can avoid. Which, But it's not wise to, because uh, battles give you coins... And obviously experience in battling, which helps later down the line. Um, Coins are necessary to buy badges to upgrade, like, your health and your defense and just help with, like, side items. And also, coins buy you weapons because your weapons are breakable. Uh, So you you need to go out there and battle. But the good thing is that once you get strong enough... You can just stomp on these enemies in the overworld, and they get destroyed. And you still get coins. Which is like, I don't know why all RPGs don't have that mechanic. Like, if you're strong enough, why am I... <laughs> I'm playing Pokemon right now, too, so let me let me, let me me explain this in a Pokemon term. Why am I still battling Zubat? <laughs> just let me stomp him. Yeah, that's a good point. Every Paper Mario, basically, since the Thousand Year Door, tries to add, like, a twist to the game. This one, obviously, is the origami thing. But also, the battle system. Uh, The battle system, you play on a grid. Uh, So there's four rings, and you can move these rings. uh, Move these four rings however you'd like. Either... Uh, circular in a circular motion or you can move them uh, vertically like if that makes sense Um, you can move there's four rings you can move them circ I'm doing motions right now for Travis as if he doesn't understand it he probably doesn't and I just uh, I just look like a stupid idiot Uh, so you move the four rings circular like this or also horizontally like each little panel. And the reason you do this is so you can set up enemies in a certain order, either in a row or in a group of four, which gives you an attack bonus. Uh, and also just a clear path to destroy all the enemies. So in that sense, every battle is basically a puzzle to figure out how best to arrange the enemies in order to get that attack bonus. And then the coins I mentioned earlier can also be used uh i guess i should also mention this in the overworld there are toads there are hidden toads throughout the entire world hidden toads throughout the entire world (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then once you find these toads they will they will be found in your battles because 
there's like the ring, there's bleachers along the sides of these rings. And that's this is where the hidden toads sit and they cheer you on as you battle. As you battle so at, enemies. So as you find them, they appear yep. in the stands? Okay. So like when you start, there's zero toads in the stand. And then once you find some, there'll be like one or two. And they always say something like, uh, they kind of repeat themselves a lot, but it's still funny. Like one of them will be like, go Mario. And then one will be like, I can't look. I got my eyes closed. And then, like, one will, one will say, like, is it over already? Just silly stuff like that. But anyway, the more toads you get, the more you can pay coins in order for them to arrange the enemies in the certain order that you need to, that they need to be. Or get you close enough that you can figure it out, which is cool. So they give you ways to uh, go about like if the, if a certain order is you know if you're if you're stumped you can just pay the toads and they'll help you out, which actually helped me a lot in the end game, uh, which I'll get to in a second. There's two main attacks: you jump on enemies or you hit them with a hammer. Uh, obviously, like enemies with spike shells, you don't want to jump on unless you have iron boots. So a lot of those you'll want to hit with a hammer. Um, and then, like, flying enemies, you can't hit with a hammer. They're in the air. <laughs> can't, can't hit them. What are you thinking? <laughs> I did. I accidentally did that, like, three times. Like, because uh, I just wasn't paying attention at some point. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was, like, one of those things where I did it again. And it was just like, I can't believe I did, I did it again. What is wrong with me? Um... So yeah, I have I have that same tendency in video games though. <laughs> I'll I'll know that something won't work, but I'll keep continuing to like you try it, and then I get mad at the game for not working. <laughs> Stupid fucking game! I have a real hard time. Like that's part of the reason why I think I don't like RPGs. Like, you give me the controls at the beginning of the game, I'm good with those. I can figure those out. Like, when you get, like, mid-game, mid end-game, when you start getting all these, like, other abilities, or, like, if it's a fighting game, you get more combos or whatever. I'm <laughs> Like, by that time, I'm just going to keep using the stuff I got from the beginning. <laughs> like, I have a real hard time adapting as you get more stuff in the game. <laughs> the old tried and true. Stick yeah. with it. <laughs> that's actually really funny yeah so you know it's good you got you just can't hit people with hammers that are flying <laughs> but uh anyway also i should mention that the battles are have are timed so like you'll have 30 seconds like 40 seconds 50 seconds a minute to arrange the enemies in the order that you need to so you can pay coins to the toads to help you out to you know do it faster or you could pay for more time so you can figure out yourself. Mm. So, you know, it does give you that option. If you want to go the easy route and just pay the toads to help you out, you can do it. Uh, or if, you know, you're particularly stumped and you need more time, you can do it. It's totally up to you how to play. Really, uh, really accessible options for players of all ages and skill set. So that's nice. The boss battles 
are a little different. So they play on the ring, but the boss is in the middle of the ring and uh, they'll throw out like uh, action buttons and directional buttons. So you need to arrange the arrows and actions in a way that gets you to the boss and also allows you to attack him. Like, the boss battles are amazing. I love them. Those are some of the best parts of the game. Like, and the bosses you fight are awesome, too. You fight a stapler. <laughs> a, pa- a pack of colored pencils. <laughs> a hole puncher. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> because like, of course those are the bosses. <laughs> God damn it, that's awesome. <laughs> it's Paper Mario. What do you expect, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, like this whole time I've been thinking like, man, this this game sounds really cool, but I'll never play it. <laughs> I wanna play it now. <laughs> Just off of the bosses, I want to play it. (laughs) The hole punch one is funny because, like, so he makes holes in the board, and uh, then he, like, scatters them through the board. So, like, if it has an action on it, you can't use it because it's technically punched out. Mm -hmm. And then also his attack on you is... (laughs) I can't remember if you lay down for this, which is even funnier, or, like, he just like comes up on you. Uh, <laughs> he uses one of the hole punches to punch a hole in your face, <laughs> and then and then he like throws it onto the world map. So what happens is once you once you get your face punched out, you lose half your health, and then so <laughs> then you have to arrange the board to grab your you know the rest of your health and then also attack him. It's really cool. I really like the battles a lot. Uh, the boss battles, I should say. The battles against regular enemies uh, kind of get tedious towards the end. Especially, you know, it's RPG, it's 30. I played it for 50 hours, and that was me, like, trying to get all the collectibles. But yeah, like a 30-hour game, you know, at some point you're just kind of like, I'm tired of battling, so I just ended up paying the Toads a lot of money to figure puzzles out, because I was just like, I just want to beat this game. Help me out, Toads! Um, There are also motion controls in the boss battles, which I'm generally not a fan of. But these ones, I actually didn't mind, because the motion controls in this are, in the overworld, you have what's called a thousand-arm stretch. And so you'll go up to a certain uh, block to initiate it. And then Mario will grow these like stretchy hands. You move your arms to find a piece of the world that can be torn. So like, for example, in the beginning, you're looking for Luigi and you hear this voice that's like, oh, brother, I'm stuck in another dimension. Help me out. And then you find this wall that has like a tear in the corner that you can pull off, and then he's behind He's behind the wall. But this also applies to battles, so you can use that to extend your arms and then uh, basically just hammer down shots on a boss uh, 
and they use motion controls. Like, I was playing it in the break room at work, and it still has motion controls. So when I was doing that attack, it was it looked like this. <laughs> Just me <laughs> taking the switch and moving it up and down. And some guy, some guy actually was like, what are you playing? <laughs> like Paper Mario. <laughs> He's like, oh. Oh, cool. But really, he was like, <laughs> fucking dork. <laughs> what is this, 2000, 2006? 2006? You think motion controls are still cool? <laughs> you fucking nerd. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am a nerd. Shut up. Um, Yeah, so I really enjoyed Paper Mario. It was a, a lot of fun. The art direction was stunning. Uh, obviously, like, the flat characters were... Uh, just funny, uh, just a funny aesthetic in itself because they play a lot into that. Like the toads you find, some of them will just be like crumpled up, like in a ball, and so you have to hit them with a hammer to flatten them out. And uh, like I said, the facts thing with Mario, and then like the origami 3D models are great, and the world is really really vibrant and colorful. Uh, it's just a really, you know, nice looking game. Even though the, I guess I do have some, the nerdy nitpicks. Uh, like I said, the battles do become tedious, especially in the later portion of the game. I think that's mostly just because I wanted to get done with it. And it was just kind of like, can this be done? Um, <laughs> I do feel like the battle system itself doesn't lend to this like the overall tone of the game because the game is about like origami the origami people and uh origami king ollie wants to refold the world into his image and so i thought maybe like the battle system with the rings and moving those around didn't really fit into that sort of sentiment like if there was something along the lines of like you folding the map to get enemies in a certain order i could see that and then I had the thought of the uh, the bat the rings being used as more of like for a circus themed sort of story, uh, which makes sense because you have the bleachers uh, around you and all the toads watching you. But then there is like a little circus section in the game, and I hated it. <laughs> so, well, it's more like a game show portion of it. Uh, and mm. yeah, I didn't like that at all. So uh I guess you know I guess they know what I guess they know what they're doing. I also feel like there's too many collectibles in the world. There you have to find all the hidden toads. There are sections of the map that are basically blank and throughout the game you'll get like confetti. And you can find this in any like if you hit a tree with a hammer confetti you'll fall down and you'll collect it and then you can throw that confetti onto the missing portions of the world or some of the times these are actual barriers that prohibit your progress so you need to do them but there's more than just the standard holes i guess and then so yeah there's the toad collectibles there's filling in the holes there are hidden treasures throughout the world there's like certain trophies you can get for completing certain things and i was going out of my way to try to uh, get all the collectibles so again this isn't something you have to do it's just something i was like 
I'm going to try to get everything. But I still didn't get everything. And I'm like, I'm still, I'm like done. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like becoming a chore to play it now. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I just stopped. I was like, it was too many. Um, I was fine with like the toads and the, the, uh, the fill in holes and treasures, but then they have like trophies for like doing certain things and basically like PlayStation trophies where like, uh, there's one where you, if you don't run away from a battle at all, you get it. Or like if you catch a shirt, certain type of fish and like, those are fine, but like, I don't know. I just, I just want to beat the game, man. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want all these collectibles. I've never been one to go for collectibles or try to I've already said I never 100% the game but I like I'll start a game and I'm like alright I'm gonna try to find everything and, and then again I get I get like halfway through and I'm like fuck it <laughs> I just wanna finish it I get real impatient yeah especially cause like there's you know there's tons of other stuff to play and you know watch and read and I just you know yeah the only game I've ever 100%ed was uh, Bowser's Fury. Damn. It's the only one. And that's not even like a full-fledged game, so I don't even know if I can really count it. I think, I think it counts. Yeah. I'm going to say it counts. All right. I'll take that patch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, so, you know, there are definitely things to critique about Paper Mario and the Origami King, but overall... I love the art direction. I love the aesthetic of the characters. I love the character dialogue. Oh, I said I was going to mention this. Um, there's a side character named Bobby. He's a babam. A babam. Every time I say babam, I'm like, am I saying that right? <laughs> babam. And then it also reminds me of the movie. Have you ever seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Uh, no. So I guess I should say it. It's based off a comic first, uh, or, or mangas. It's pronounced manga. I know, nerds. I just <laughs> like to say mangas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, he has a band called the Sex bob and I'm just like, that's good. Uh, Little Bobby is a is a bob-omb. I, for some reason, was going to say Bobby is a sex bob-omb. I was like, come on, Justin. Get your head off the gutter. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Bobby is a bob-omb. A bob-omb. And uh, he follows you around for a certain portion of the game. And uh, actually, do you think you're going to play this game? No. Damn. Okay. <laughs> So, I'm going to spoil this. So, at one point, your companion, Olivia, gets trapped under a rock by her brother. Because her brother just, like, throws a rock at her. <laughs> it's like, uh, you'll never get out of that. So, uh, Bobby is like, oh, man, we got to go to this place. Oh, so he had amnesia, right? And I forgot uh, everything that happened. And so a lot of your time with Bobby, there'll be cutscenes where he's kind of just like looking. It'll show him, and then it'll show, uh, like a, a scene of the area that you're playing in. So it's basically uh telling you that like he's 
kind of checking out the world and appreciating it. So then he regains his memories, and then Olivia gets trapped under the rock. And then you have to go and find a f- his fuse because he doesn't have a fuse on top of him. <laughs> and then you find his fuse, you go back to the rock, and I should have said spoiler warning in the beginning of this. I'll say it right now. Spoiler warning. So anyway, you go go to the rock, puts the fuse in, and then he lights it, and he's like, it's time to make the ultimate sacrifice, Mario. And, and Mario's like, oh, and like runs after you, or runs after Bobby, and he blows up, he blows up, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Little Bobby just died. Is that the first time someone's ever died in a Mario game? I'm sure that's the first time someone's ever committed suicide in a Mario (laughs) game. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, then, like, 15 minutes later, you're playing as Mario and something happens, and you see the ghost of Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like what <laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> yeah but it was awesome I was like this is so good so anyway <laughs> you know minus few hiccups I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Paper Mario and now I'm interested in the uh, other four entries that I haven't played and the side spinoff or the spinoff game I, so, I don't I don't think I ever see myself sitting down to play a, a Paper Mario. RPGs have just never never been my thing. I feel that. I'm not really, really into RPGs, but I've grown to appreciate them more as uh, as I've gotten older. Uh, like Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest Eleven, Echoes of an Elusive Age, Definitive Edition S, for now for the Nintendo Switch. Also on Xbox Game Pass. That's a good one. I'm glad, I'm glad you're playing some video games because I haven't. Yeah? Oh, I forgot. I give it eight bombs out of ten. Nice. Oh, also I forgot. I gotta ask you every time you uh every time you talk about a video game, <laughs> I gotta I gotta ask you. <laughs> so do you think it's better than Animal Crossing? <laughs> Do you think it's better than Animal Crossing New Horizons? <laughs> Maybe. Might could be. Son of a bitch! <laughs> I think I have to go back and play Animal Crossing to give it a fair uh, comparison. Let me tell but, you. Uh, I, you know, what? it's Paper Mario is up there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'll tell you soon and shatter your world. <laughs> I just like the idea that Animal Crossing just keeps falling down this list. Okay. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. <laughs> so moving on.
Yeah, Travis, what the heck you been doing? I haven't been playing video games a little bit. I, I kind of fallen off my Animal Crossing kick, but I'm in between a few games. But for the most part, I've just been watching an unfathomable amount of. Is that even a word? Anyway, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. Yeah, how many documentaries you watch? Eighteen. I don't know. Only reason, <laughs> only reason I know is because I made, I made a list for the show notes. But yeah, let me count them real quick. And this isn't even all of them. There are a few that I couldn't find after I watched them. I've watched about fifteen documentaries in the past week and a half. God damn. <laughs> Oh yeah, about fifteen to twenty. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I go I go on these weird kicks where I just I watch a lot of documentaries. And then I don't watch them for a while. I do the same thing with stand up comedy. Like when I get in the mood, I'm I'm gonna watch a bunch of it. I'm gonna catch up on everything. And then I'll kinda stray away from it. I don't know what it is about documentaries though. I love them. <laughs> and like I'll watch I'll watch a documentary about just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be like the right thing like uh so something i'm interested in okay but also like sometimes like like that uh the tiger king the first one mm-hmm. i know every everybody watched that but uh that was like sometimes something will grab me like right at the beginning of a documentary like that one did where it was like Look at this gay tiger owner. I'm like, I'm in, dude. <laughs> yeah. That that's the hook right there. <laughs> no, nah, man, I can I could watch a documentary about anything. It now I will obviously like scrolling through, you know, whatever streaming service I'm looking for. I'm gonna gravitate towards something that's more tailored to my interest, but like for example, there's this documentary I watched, it's called uh, it's called Last Breath. It's on Netflix. And I think this is the one I told you about. But basically it's about um these deep sea divers and I think I think they work for the comp the oil companies who um who drill out there. Okay. So th- it's not really something that I would just click on. No. But I heard about it through another podcast I was listening to. I forgot about it. And they were describing it and it sounded really good. So I, based off their recommendation, I went and I checked it out. And it was like one of the best documentaries I watched like over the past week and a half or however long I've been on this kick. But just to kind of give a brief summary of it, like I said, it. We have 18 documentaries to no, describe. No, we're not, we're, not, we're not going. Okay, I'm going to give you the whole list in a minute, but let me go over the last breath real quick because this is really interesting. <laughs> so, like I said, it's about these deep sea divers. So, they go out there, these two guys, they go down and they go all the way to the bottom. And they're tethered to this like... um. It's like little capsule. So like the capsule exits the ship, it goes down, and then the two guys, they go out of the capsule. It's not called the capsule. That's just the best word I could think of to describe it. And they're tethered to that through this, like, and it's just a big, like, bunch of wires, and they call it an umbilical cord, which is pretty funny. (laughs) But it's just like all the supply lines for, like, their oxygen and all that kind of stuff so that they can stay down there. So that's how they're tethered 
back to the the capsule. So these two guys, they go down and they're working on this structure on the seafloor. And there's this technology that the ship uses to lock them in place cause, so they don't like move with the sea. That That program failed. So the ship started drifting away. So the ship drifts away. The capsule drifts away. So the two guys who are tethered to this capsule, they're starting to be, you know, kind of pulled away. And they're notified as soon as the system failed to return back to the capsule. But they're working on the structure, so they're both kind of like wrapped around it. They're umbilical cords that they're attached to. One guy's able to get out. The other guy's umbilical cord was wrapped in such a way that he couldn't get it free until the tent the ship had pulled so far away that the tension on the cord snapped. Oh Jesus. So his umbilical cord snapped. He's stuck at the bottom of the sea with just the small supply tank of oxygen he had on his back, which was good for like I think they said it's good for like five minutes. And he he was stuck on the seafloor for like thirty minutes. So, holy um, moly! So I'm not gonna spoil how it ends, but the, the end is like amazing. <laughs> and um, you know, the documentary you kind of you see um some like live images of it actually happening, and then obviously you get interviews from you know the people. There's this one guy, man, I hated in the documentary because he was just like. <laughs> He was basically just didn't give a fuck that the dude was trapped at the bottom of the sea. And he was the guy who was down there with him. (laughs) And then, never mind, that's a spoiler. But anyway, but like I said, that's the documentary that I watched and I really fucking enjoyed. But I wouldn't normally just like select it because it doesn't typically fall in um, my typical interests. But if, if it's a recommendation, like I said, I could watch a documentary about anything so let me go over my list here yeah. of, uh, of the ones that i got and you kind of <laughs> you'll kind of see like the range that i'm at <laughs> so i started with um unknown dimensions the story of paranormal activity that's on paramount plus and that's just basically about um the making of the paranormal activity franchise i watched haunted the art of the scare on pluto tv that's about extreme haunted houses I watched Untold Malice in the Palace on Netflix that chronicles the the riot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved watching that one because I watched that game live. (laughs) And here's also another interesting story. So that, that, that happened. I went to the next game for a field trip at school <laughs> and it was like the whole team was suspended <laughs> it, was, it was like the worst game ever <laughs> so just for the viewers at home uh malice at the palace was an incident with the detroit pistons and the indiana pacers where a fan threw uh a drink i think it was at ron artest and this was after like a little scuffle between uh some of the piston players and some of the pacer players anyway this one fan decided to throw a drink at ron artest and ron artest 
<laughs> was not having that shit. <laughs> Went out in stands and beat the shit out of some fans. I think he actually hit the wrong fan. Yeah, but, he uh, did. <laughs> but uh, then, then there's yeah, it, it was amazing. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, all right, then it was uh, Last Breath, which I just talked about. Beware mm-hmm. the Slender Man, which is a really good one on HBO Max. Adjust your tracking. Uh, that was my recommendation last episode. Keep sweet, pray, and obey, which is actually a docu series on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I've heard of that one. That is really good and is really fucking creepy. Um, and I think that that just chronicles. Um, I forget the guy's name, but it, it was basically like extreme Mormons. <laughs> extreme. Yeah. Extreme Mormon, brother. <laughs> yeah, and and the, and the leader of the church was just like, he, he had like 47 wives, and a lot of them were underage. Fucking creep. But Jesus anyway. Jesus Christ. Uh, the Unexplained, I think that's, uh, The Unexplained with William Shatner, I believe. That's on Netflix. I watched a few episodes of that. I watched The American Scream on Peacock, another uh, haunted house one. Girl in the Picture on Netflix. I watched an episode of the movies that made us on Netflix, and the episode I watched was about the making of John Carpenter's Halloween. So, how do you feel about the movies and stuff, whatever, that made us in general? Have you watched anything else besides this one episode? I've only watched that one episode so far. There There were a few others that I wanted to check out, but I just haven't gotten around to them yet. Did you like it? It was okay. I think it's. I think it's okay too. I I do have a problem with some of the narration in that. Like yeah. it tries to be too funny, and I'm yeah. just like, I'm just like, can you just tell me about Halloween? Can yeah. you just tell me about Die Hard instead of making these dumb jokes? Yeah. Like the worst is when it'll be like, uh, and this isn't in the Halloween one, but this is just me giving uh, an example. Uh, It'd be like, John Carpenter went to go get the funds for the movie. And then it shows John Carpenter, and then it's like, he didn't get it. And then it's like crickets. <laughs> it like yeah. adds the cricket sound effect. And I'm just like, is this really necessary? Yeah, it comes off as really tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> but uh, anyway, go ahead. Um, Then I watched this documentary on Hulu called Wrinkles the Clown, which is another... F- it's, a, it's a creepy one, isn't it? It's not so much creepy as it was disturbing. So real quick. So this one, there's this guy, Wrinkles the Clown. He <laughs> he took a picture of himself and like put a phone number and he on his stickers and he just like put these stickers. Oh, I know everywhere. what you're talking about. Okay, go ahead. So the weirdest part about this documentary was talking about these fucking parents who were using Wrinkles the Clown as like this device to keep their kids in line. It's like if if you if you don't do what I say, I'm gonna call Wrinkles the Clown to come get you, and then they would call, and this that was like the most disturbing part. <laughs> the whole documentary is these fucking parents <laughs> who are like engaging in uh, psychological warfare with their children. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta be like, if you don't act right, you're gonna get murdered. Yeah. You got it? <laughs> so that was a really good doc. 
And then the last two that I watched have actually been my favorite of the bunch. So I watched the last blockbuster on Netflix. And then I watched Netflix versus the world on Amazon Prime. Isn't that interesting? In Netflix versus the world on Amazon Prime. Uh. That it is. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just finished watching that documentary earlier today. I started it last night. Um so yeah, that that's that's all the docs I've been watching. All the docs, bro. I don't know what So do you watch a lot of documentaries? Um, not like a lot, lot, but you, you said you primarily like if you do watch them, it's something that you're already interested in. Yeah. Or like, like I said with Tiger King, that was such a phenomenon that I was like, all right, I got to check it out. Um, that, one, that one was really good. Uh, like Netflix has a series, uh, called High Score. High score on Netflix is basically okay. a uh, a docu series about uh, video games and their uprising in America. Well, really worldwide, I guess. But uh, I like that one. It doesn't it doesn't focus on Nintendo a lot, which is interesting because uh, I mean it does mention like uh, like the Nintendo and. Uh, it's basically saving the video game industry, but there's not a lot of interviews with any executives in Nintendo. I'm just kind of like, I wish there was some of those, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's one on, I think it's on Paramount plus it's called the console wars and it, it pretty much just talks about Sega versus Nintendo. That sounds good. There's also one called indie game, the movie. That's good. It follows three indie game developers uh, as like through their development process and then like releasing it. It, mm-hmm. it actually, the three games are Super Meat Boy. Uh, I cannot fucking remember the other two, but uh, it's good. I like that one. But yeah, it's funny you like. Uh, Whenever I, whenever you try to think of, or, you know, whenever you're put on the spot to think of something that you like, <laughs> it's when you totally blank on everything that you like. So, right. like, I can't think of any uh, documentaries that I, I like, but uh, I like them. It just depends on what it is. Yeah, I don't, I, I had this thought at work the other night. I was like, why, why are documentaries so enjoyable? Like, what is it about them that keeps attracting me to them? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer. <laughs> yeah, it might be might be just because it's interesting to uh, see. You know, a lot of documentaries are about like the, I guess I shouldn't say a lot, but documentaries usually take you on a journey through a world that you're not really familiar with at all. Yeah, so it's probably just kind of an out of out of body experience or being previewed to something that. Uh, you necessarily won't ever do in your life. Like you won't ever become a deep sea diver for an oil company, but Mm -hmm. it's cool to uh, see it and like kind of see firsthand how it's done and experience the, the worst tragedy (laughs) uh, dealing with that. That's true. And and then you also get ones where you kind of get, a peek into other people's lives and how they live. I mean, take 
uh, Tiger King, for example. Yep. I mean, here's this <laughs> extreme example of this person. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't know anybody like that. So, like, yeah, I don't know. And, if there's, and you, uh-huh. you kind of get a peek in, into how they live. That's a good point. Um, and then there are ones where you get like pulled into the investigation like with like an unsolved mysteries or a true crime type mm-hmm. you like you you feel like you're a part of like that case or that investigation man i fall into uh those a lot where like uh i can't remember the exact uh docu series it's called but it is about just just about murders and uh i remember i watched like eight episodes in a row and they're like hour long yeah episodes and i was like man i just can't cannot get enough of this dude one of the best ones is i'll be gone in the dark on hbo max i'll be gone in the dark that one it so it's about this lady i think she i think she's just a journalist maybe i I don't i don't quite remember but she's trying to catch the golden state killer i feel like i watched that i don't remember but anyway, it, it's another docu series, though. I forget how many episodes it is, but they're really long episodes, and it's really good. It's really good. They catch him like when he's really, really old, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I've seen that one. That's part of like spoiler alert, real quick for the ending. That that's part of the series. That's kind of like tragic. Is like you get to the end of the series and you realize, like, yeah, this guy got caught, but she died before he got caught. Mm-hmm. She passed away, but he was still caught because of the progress that she made, what she was doing before she passed. Like all of her investigation and what she was doing is what led to it. Yeah. That's wild. And then then this this motherfucker comes in in a wheelchair uh, to the courtroom trying to play for sympathy. Right. I know you're, you're going to fucking rot the rest of your probably 30 days you got left to live (laughs) oh my god that reminds me of my favorite part i like i said i don't know if the one i watched is specifically the one you're talking about right now but they they were talking to some of the uh victims and they had like a i think it was a narration and it was like uh it was the man was described as uh five foot ten uh, having brown hair and a small penis. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> like, God damn it, man! <laughs> That's hilarious. How fucking awful is that? That like, okay, for I just want to say that uh, his reprehensible acts and you know towards these women, uh, truly, truly horrific. And that guy's a fucking horrible monster. But <laughs> now he has to live the rest of his life. And <laughs> for years and years and years to come, people are just going to be like, uh, that guy had a tiny dick. <laughs> 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 Which, you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it should be. <laughs> good, good for him. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, yeah, I think... <laughs> But yeah, I think that's what it is. I think I think documentaries just, regardless of what their subject matter is, they just have a way of pulling you in and making you feel a part of it or just giving you 
giving you this information that you didn't know you needed in a <laughs> really entertaining way. Yeah. Referencing a past episode, there's a, the DVD of Clerks 2 has a documentary about the making of Clerks 2. And so does mm-hmm. the first Clerks, actually. The first Clerks one is really good called uh, The Snowball Effect, Story of Clerks. And it just goes over everything that went into making it. And obviously the second one does the same thing. Uh, speaking of Clerks, they just released a trailer for uh, Clerks 3 like a week or two ago. I don't remember. I'm really yeah. bad at watching trailers. <laughs> it looks good. Speaking of trailers... I did want to come in here and talk about the Halloween Ends trailer, but I didn't watch it again. So we'll talk about that next episode. Yeah, I watched it too. I also watched the uh, John Wick 4 trailer and was like, Ooh. I haven't seen any of the John Wicks. God damn it, Travis! <laughs> Dude, I'm not even lying. John Wick is like amazing. It's like the best action movie in, in probably 20 years. It's probably the best action movie since, like, The Matrix 1. Never seen The Matrix. Travis, you're killing me. I, I, no. Okay, I have seen the first Matrix, but I was, like, real little, and I don't remember. So, Matrix 1 is good. Matrix 2 and 3 are not good. But that first one, man, that first one's real, real good. It, it uh, explores a lot of uh, themes and terms of our world that's like the first time a lot of people were like maybe this life is a simulation <laughs> um i'm trying to find like some more documentaries that i was uh that i watched that i really like real quick while you do that though going back to the halloween ends trailer mm-hmm. so a little bit about me real quick i love halloween like the holiday like i love the movies but the holiday like halloween the fall I usually start celebrating Halloween September 1st. Okay. I do a full two months of Halloween. September 1st, I I deck out my house in Halloween decorations. Yeah, and then you do the same thing for Christmas, (laughs) right? Yeah, November 1st, the same day, uh, Halloween decorations come down, and then I start the process of putting up uh, Christmas decorations. The Christmas decorations take a little bit more. It take a while, but putting. Up, I think I had five Christmas trees last year. Five Christmas trees. Five, five Christmas trees. I had one. Okay, so I had one in the living room. I had one in our bedroom. I had. She had one in her office. I had one in my library room. Had one in the guest bedroom and one in the garage. But anyway, going back to, uh, yeah, I do two months of Halloween, two months of Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year. I'm depressed 10 months out of the year, but though, no, uh, eight months of the year. But those four, uh, I'm, I'm riding high. <laughs> but what's funny is when I watched that trailer and that music hit, <laughs> it's like I got goosebumps. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Halloween's coming early this year. <laughs> so I didn't watch this one, but I was interested in it. It was uh, Jim Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, which is a documentary about the making of Man on the Moon, starring Jim Carrey, which is a biopic about Andy Kaufman. Mm. And uh, apparently that's where uh, Jim Carrey went all method acting and uh, 
was acting like Andy Kaufman on screen or in off screen. And uh, apparently he was a real nightmare to work with. I just feel like method acting is dumb. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad there's a sentiment, there's an, an uprising uh, opinion that uh, people should just stop doing it. Because, like, who wants to fucking work with somebody that is just, like, in character all the time? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that, that being a pain in the ass. So uh, we're going to book our tickets to Bend, Oregon. That's where the last blockbuster's at. Damn. And it's still open, right? I, let me see. The do- when I watched the documentary, it was still open. Let me see. I feel like it might have closed. And uh, don't, don't say that, man. I, I feel there's one the, left, though. That's the la- That was the last one. Oh, I was thinking there were two, and one was in Alaska. And I think that one closed. Which is wild to me, but... Uh, yes, it is still open, by the way. And their hours are ten thirty AM to eight PM if you're if you're local. <laughs> <laughs> local Pacific time. Uh yeah, so there were three left in Alaska and then the one in Bend, Oregon, and then the three in Alaska uh shut down. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking. Man <laughs> like in Alaska people were like Nah. Well, I guess that makes sense because, you know, it gets all cold and they're like, I ain't going out. Yeah. You know what's really interesting, though, is I watched, essentially, I watched the last blockbuster and then Netflix versus the world. Not back to back, but I watched them really close together. And what's funny was, like, the last blockbuster, obviously, it was just, like, filled with all this nostalgia for blockbuster or the video video rental store in general. And then I watched the Netflix versus the world documentary and they're just talking about how everyone fucking hated Blockbuster and how it was such an inconvenience. And then they like they brought up the late fees and all that other stuff. And I just found it funny. I was like, man, our nostalgia just like in a way makes us forget like all of the bad stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Blockbuster was kind of shitty, but I miss it so much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. They, it, was, uh, it was just funny to see both sides of that. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that, like, Blockbuster... Okay, maybe, like, the company Blockbuster was terrible, but I don't necessarily think that video rental stores... No, video rental stores were great, but people hated Blockbuster because they put the mom and shop oh, stores yeah, yeah, yeah. out of business. Yeah, and then... Yeah, it is funny that... Because a lot of... Uh, a lot of those video rental stores of the 80s were, like you said, like mom and pop stores or like you would uh, rent movies from like a 7-Eleven, like if they had it or whatever. Right. Uh, but then, you know, Blockbuster was like, hell yeah, let's get on this and put everybody out. And I remember, then they got put out of business. I remember my freshman year at Eastern we had like this little convenience store that was underneath the dorms and they they had like behind the counter they had a bunch of DVDs you could rent. Did you rent any? No. I had Netflix. Oh. That was like I dis I discovered Netflix in two thousand eleven. I didn't know what Netflix was. I I was in I was a subscriber uh with Netflix when they were renting out DVDs through the mail. That's how long ago I was into Netflix. And, uh, actually, don't tell anyone, Travis, or listeners, but, uh, I still got one of those. 
<laughs> I still have one of those rentals uh, that ne- I got from Netflix. Don't come for me, Netflix. <laughs> I rent, I rented Citizen Kane, which is uh, hailed as the best movie ever made. Came out in uh, the 1930s. You I'm think really- it is? It's really fucking good for a movie made in its time. It is. Uh, Citizen Kane, 1941. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's the best movie ever made, but it's the best movie made in 1941. I think. I think you can make a you can make a claim for, or you can make a um, an argument for it being the best. Yeah, it does a lot of things that like people are still doing to this day Mm -hmm. invented movie techniques and storytelling techniques so yeah it's a it's a really good movie it's funny because my uh, younger brother wasn't going to school for film well I think this might have been right before but he was interested yeah okay so he was still in high school and he was interested in going to school for film and he was like watching Citizen Kane and there's there's a scene where uh where you know uh Charles Foster Kane sees like this sled that he uh had as a child or something mm-hmm. and he's like rosebud <laughs> he's all old you know i think it happens right at the beginning I just happened to be walking in to the living room when my brother was watching this movie and so i had no context of what was happening at all and he just he's just this old fucking man just like rosebud and i just like burst out laughing i was like man this looks like it fucking sucks and then i watched it a few years later and it was like no i no it doesn't suck i suck <laughs> that's like the uh the great debate for citizen kane is what what does rosebud really mean? What does it mean? Is it uh, is it the sled? Is it his wife? I haven't seen Citizen Kane in a long time. I yeah, I've only seen it once, and it was funny enough. You said your brother was going to go to school uh, school for film. I actually had a a film class, and that's where I watched it. We watched that in film class, and then the next class we watched an episode of Duck Dynasty. What? Yep. <laughs> for why? I don't know. There was a lesson in there for reality TV. Hmm. Interesting. I took a like film history and criticism class in college, and we watched Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, and uh, we watched a bunch of other movies, like uh, Some Like It Hot, which is a really good comedy. Uh, we watched this movie. I can never fucking remember the name of it but it stars Steve Buscemi uh Life in Oblivion Living in Oblivion um that movie was really great too but uh yeah I watched a lot of really good movies and oh and Living in Oblivion has Peter, Peter Dinklage in it uh came out in 1995 nice so you know a whole like 15 years before he got real famous for Game of Thrones. Um so I think my uh I think my documentary kick is going to continue. Oh yeah. Have you uh you got any others on the 
In my queue. In the queue? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I can find some. And there's also like some of the really good documentaries are some of like the homemade ones on YouTube. Whew, you are in a real rabbit hole, Trev. <laughs> Watching homemade documentaries on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what you want from me, man. <laughs> there's only there's only so much on the streaming services. Stop judging me! <laughs> Holy moly, my phone's going off. Shut up, everyone. So yeah, I'm probably going to watch another one. Here in a little bit, because I just watched Netflix vs. the World last night, so find another one. I might watch some more uh, more episodes of the movies that made us. Yeah, that show is cool, like, because of the content, uh, but yeah, some of those jokes, I'm just like, can you just fucking tell me about, yeah. can you just tell me about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy line, alright? Oh, you know what I might watch? I was watching... The Orange Years, which was a documentary about Nickelodeon. I might finish that one. Oh, yeah. I, I was interested in that one. But you, I didn't watch it. Were you a Nickelodeon or were you a Cartoon Network kid? So, I didn't get cable until 2000. Uh, but I do remember leaning a little more towards Cartoon Network. At least for like the first couple of years. I think I did eventually start watching more Nickelodeon, though. I would... Hmm. What do I like better? You know what? I feel like we should save this for an episode of its own. Cause we might we might go down a rabbit hole if we, if we start now. Documentaries. There was one that I just had in my head and it totally slipped out. Another good one was the um, the Making a Murderer on Netflix. Oh yeah, a lot of people were. I went uh, back. I went back and rewatched that one. I think last year at some point. Yeah, a lot of people were really high on that. Suggesting I watch it. All right. So, do you want to get into some recommendations? Do you have one? Do you have one? Oh. Man, I was so good this week with with notes and totally forgot to get a recommendation. Uh, I'll come up with one, though. I'll come up with one. You go first. <laughs> All right, yeah. Why don't you uh, you, uh, <laughs> you find your recommendation? I have one. I have a whole list of ones. I just read them off a minute ago. <laughs> I am going to cheat a little bit because uh, truth be told, I didn't have one either. <laughs> wow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend uh, one of the documentaries off of my list or one of the documentaries that I've watched recently, I should say, that I didn't talk about too much. I'm going to recommend... Oh, Beware the Slender Man on HBO Max. So without getting into too much spoilers, basically, Beware the Slender Man is the story of these two girls, two, I think they're high school girls, like 12, 13 maybe, where these two girls uh, viciously stab their friend and leave her for dead. 
because they were convinced that if they didn't, Slender Man would get them. Holy like, shit. Yeah. Are you familiar with like the Slender Man lore at all? Or like the creepypasta? I mean, a little, but like not enough to actually tell you what it is. Like I, I, I vaguely know what it is. Yeah. So basically these two little girls got like super into it, believed that he was real and believed that that he ordered them to to stab their friend in it and basically just kind of tells that whole story so that's my recommendation uh beware the slender man it's a bit of a darker one but it's uh it's pretty good it sounds like a little bit of schizophrenia to me but uh <laughs> but uh you know whatever um all right i got my recommendation it's a short movie that is on Netflix. It's called "If Anything Happens, I Love You," and uh, that sounds morbid. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, I love it. Tell me gonna... more. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's basically a story about two parents who uh, lose their child. And it's uh, them grieving with it. But it's an animated short, so it does it in kind of uh, uh, interesting ways and, you know, aesthetically pleasing ways. I'm not going to say anything more about it. It's only 12 minutes long. So, real quick watch, and it does leave an impact. So, oh, man. I can't watch that. And it, and it does have some... Uh, some uh, some takes in terms of like it's a social commentary of society kind of yeah that sounds really good uh, i don't think i'll be watching it though I, I don't know ever since i had we had our daughter i just like, i can't like anything with a child or like parents losing their child or anything happened to a child that just like i've become hypersensitive to that yeah i mean i totally get it I don't have that uh, experience, so I'm just kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them kids. <laughs> I was going to say, show me all the missing kids. <laughs> Which is funny because like... <laughs> I'm I'm reading this book right now, um, The God Project by John Saul. Mm -hmm. And it's okay, but beginning of the book, it's like the these parents, their daughter dies from SIDS. <laughs> it's like in the first like... 10 to 15 pages and I almost just put the book down I'm like I can't do this so uh speaking of SIDS <laughs> Jesus Christ I uh <laughs> I, used to have, I used to be in a lot of bands and uh I technically wasn't in this band but I played live with them my my buddy George uh came up with a band called Crucified SIDS because when you're a teenager, you just try to come up with the most offensive things you can possibly think of. And uh, <laughs> it was a, gr a grindcore band, which is like really fast metal. Uh, <laughs> I can't get over that name. <laughs> Crucified Sins. <laughs> name of the episode. <laughs> I don't know if we should name it that because uh, it might scare away a lot of people. But uh, 
The best part of Crucified <laughs> Sins was that there was a song called God Sells Pot. And oh it was about how God was a drug dealer. <laughs> and the funny the funny part, okay, so like a lot of that the music that me, my friends and I made, we put on MySpace, which is like unusable now. And I, I read that they lost like billions of songs when they switched over servers. So like if you had if you were in a band, a small band in the early in the mid to early mid and late two thousands and you had music on MySpace, it's gone forever. Um <laughs> and so that their music was on MySpace and uh it was <laughs> it was <laughs> it was titled God Sales Pot like S A L, not God. <laughs> and I always thought that was so funny. God sells pot. Take it for all the money you got. God sells pot. He likes dudes and he thinks they're hot. <laughs> I tell you, man, being a teenager is just like thinking of the most offensive things, and then just keep adding. You just keep adding to it because you think like that's funny and edgy, but uh. It's the way to go, man. <laughs> there is a funny line that I think about all the time, and it's like, uh, you, <laughs> I can't even, th- <laughs> oh my God. He says, you, <laughs> you better run as fast as you can. He wants to blow a man. <laughs> oh man anyway you'll never what were the crowd reactions like when you were performing that live oh my god okay we we only played one show it was in it was in a backyard because my friends and i were just like we're just gonna put on our own shows so we was just doing like backyards and shit and uh Honestly, we probably weren't good enough to play at venues anyway. But, uh... Actually, no. Everyone's good enough to play wherever they want to play. Um, no, no, they're not, Justin. No, they're not. Sometimes, you know, no. if you have a, if you got a dream... If you have a dream... <laughs> uh, We played one show in a backyard, and it was like... There might have been 15 people there. Okay, there might have been 20, but that was including, like, bands. So, Crucified Sids played, and uh, my my buddy George was really into wrestling as well. So, George was like, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man, when we play, I'm going to turn around, and then uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blade a little bit. Get a little bit. Yeah. I'm gonna cut my. I'm gonna cut my forehead. Bleed, oh my God. <laughs> bleed a little bit, and uh, get a reaction out of the crowd. And I was just like, "All right, man." And uh, you know, he did it, and I was busy playing drums. And then I look up, and his entire face is covered <laughs> in blood because <laughs> he, he cut too deep, and uh, <laughs> he just. His fucking face was covered in blood, dude. It was so bad that after he we stopped playing, there were more bands that were supposed to play. We stopped the show 
because we were like, you're bleeding way too much. He went in the shower and like tried to, you know, clean it up and all this stuff. And eventually we had to call his mom. <laughs> his mom came home from like, I think she was on like a date or something. And uh, she came home and took him to the hospital because uh, he, uh, he cut too deep, man. Good show, though. That was a good show. To be a fly on the wall. <laughs> I think about some of those things and I'm, like that happened when I was a teenager, and I was just like, I cannot believe that shit happened. <laughs> Not that, like, I don't know. Like, nothing was, like, incredibly crazy or, like, but it was just, like, absurd. Mostly absurd things that happened. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, ready to ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah, sure. You know, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to our show. If you liked what you heard, if you liked us talking about crucified SIDS <laughs> and also documentaries and Paper Mario, we kind of went off a little bit towards the end. We were just kind of like rambling. Usually yeah. that happens in the beginning, but uh, we saved it for the end. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you like what you heard, uh, feel free to rate us five stars on whatever platform you're streaming this on. And also, you know, you can tweet us. You can tweet us. We're at Nerds Clyde Pod. You can tell us what you're nerding out about. We also have an Instagram. That's the same thing, Nerds Clyde Pod. So yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, I should say. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And just remember... The term nerd is ready to eat for everyone. Find your passion, embrace it, and be the nerd that you are. Bye.